0: Amen. We need to think about that. There is power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. The very first sentence of that song says, Would you be free from the burden of sin? Amen. There is power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you have evil? Would you have victory? over evil amen you have to think about that let's not sing songs without thinking about the words that we are singing amen these songs are for encouragement and joy and worship and praise but they are also for the purpose of us thinking About our lives. And how we interact with God. How he interacts with us. Amen. We're headed toward Passover. Here on the 26th. So that is two weeks away for Passover. And the Passover is talking about his crucifixion. His body. His blood. As a sacrifice. Atonement for our sins. Is His sacrifice for our sins in vain? Does the blood of Christ have effect upon our lives? Is it only symbolism that our sins are washed away? Do we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, may it never be, Paul said. Can we observe Passover and say that we're still in sin? What does Romans six say when we were baptized? What does Romans six say? Let's open up to Romans chapter six. This is what almost every one of us read when we was baptized. Amen. Romans 6 verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? I didn't know that that was the first sentence of Romans 6, even though I just quoted it before reading it. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He confirms his own word. He put that verse in my mind without me knowing where in the Bible it was. And then he put in my mind, turn to Romans 6. And there's the verse. Praise Jesus. Amen. Praise Jesus. Praise God. Amen. He confirms his word. He's a living God. Amen. Amen. He's not dead and he's not a million miles away behind Jupiter. He's right here. He's right there in your bedroom. He's right there at the park. Right there in your kitchen. He's right there wherever you are. His eyes are always upon you. Amen. And that makes him good. Not just powerful, but good and faithful and good to us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Come over here, honey. Right there. Stand right there. I'm telling you. Stand right there. Okay. And we'll go get it. His eyes are upon us. Amen. Now, are we to continue in sin after we were baptized? What does verse two say? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Amen. Now this is something we all gotta work on. But the first step is acknowledging that the scripture tells us over and over and over to stop sinning. And that, that's the first step is to acknowledge the authority of the Bible, what it tells us to do, and, and don't say that's impossible. If that's impossible, then I want you to throw every copy of the Bible in your entire house away. Either believe the Bible or don't believe it. Believe it or get out of the way. Amen? We're in a race here. We're in a race to win. There's a finish line. There's a, there's a goal. There's a finish line that we have to cross. And if you say it's impossible, then get out of my way so I can cross the line. Amen? Amen. Verse 3, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death, into his crucifixion? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. That newness of life means a new life, not the same life. That we lived before baptism. Not going back to our old ways. Not going back to the past. Not bringing up the past. It's gone. It's erased. It's washed away. It is gone, amigo. Amen. Adios. Adios. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. We died in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. When we sin, we are slaves to sin because that temptation says to us, do it, and we do it, we obey it. It becomes our master. Amen. And if temptation is our master, that makes Satan our master. And that makes us children of Satan. Even as the Bible says in another verse that we're going to read later on. If we sin, we are children of the devil according to 1 John that we're going to read. If we're the children of the father... If we're really covered under the blood of Jesus, if we're truly been baptized and saved and born again as a new creature, a new person in Christ Jesus, then we're not living the old life. That person is gone. That person is dead. That's why we don't do that birthday anymore. That birthday is gone. That person is gone. We no longer live in the flesh. Now we live in the spirit. We live in the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. We're His hands. We're His feet. We're His eyes. Praise the Lord. Praise God we don't want to sit down, do we? Praise the Lord. We want to march. We want to live. We don't want to sit down. We don't want to be couch potato Christians. We don't want to go in the other room and walk away from the Word of God. We want to listen. We want to learn. We want to grow. In the truth. We want to grow in His Spirit. In the Holy Ghost. We want to feel His presence. We want to hear His voice. We want to hear Him. Praise the Lord. Notice in the Bible many, many times over and over and over. It says there was a loud voice. Amen. Amen. A loud voice. Amen. God is... Hollering and screaming and hollering at us, telling us you better to get saved. Amen. And you better to repent. Because there's a there's a finish line, there's a date. There is a date. A appointed time, as the scripture says. A appointed time. It's going to happen. And it gets closer every day. Amen. Praise God. Do we not remember? The very verses of the Bible that we was baptized with. Praise the Lord. Praise God. God is good. Very, 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 very good to us. Amen. We have all prayed today. Let's continue in the sermon. Praise God. Get rid of the song books. I'm go away. Let's turn to the book of 1 Peter, First Peter chapter 1, oh. praise God, some people are, ain't you going to pray? prayed. We've been praying all day. We prayed in unceasing. Every service should be different. We don't have to follow a program. Okay? It don't have to be identical. Everything everything we do every week. Follow the Spirit of God. Let him lead. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 16 Here in the Alpha Omega Bible paperbacks, page 246. Verse 16, 1 Peter 1 verse 16. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Alpha Omega Bible tells you where that's written, Leviticus. 11, also chapter 19 and chapter 20 of Leviticus, three different chapters in Leviticus. It says it is written. It is written in the scriptures, written in the Bible. It's true. Amen. You should be holy for I am holy. For I am holy. That means because I am holy. So we're going to change that to say because I am holy. So you can cross out the word for, put in because, if you can put small letters right above that. Or at the end of the verse for some words, because I'm holy, God says, because he is holy, he wants us to be holy, too, because he is holy. Therefore, he don't want his children acting like children of disobedience. Amen. He don't want his children acting like the Jones or the Smiths, but rather like him, like his own children, because he has raised us properly. Amen. Amen. The, the Heavenly Father has raised us properly. Training. Raising. Raising your children means teaching your children. disciplining your children. That's what raising your children means. It's more than just giving them breakfast and lunch and supper and, and forcing them to take a bath. It's more than that. Ain't it? And changing their underwear. It's more than raising more than that when you raise a child. But it is teaching them. The men. Teaching the boys how to mow the yard, how to work on the car, how to ride a bicycle. Many different things. But also, teaching them the commandments of God. The seventh day, the ten commandments. The truth. The Bible. Amen. The Heavenly Father is properly raising us to become fully mature. What does it say? What does it mean holy? B-E holy What does holy mean? Well the holy If we think of what's not holy And what holy is That helps us realize what holy is Amen If you compare it with what's not holy The unholy Not holy is dirty Filthy Sinful Amen But holiness Is cleanness Purity Sacredness. Amen. Something that is holy is sacred. And it is sacred because it's connected to God. Amen. When all the furniture in the temple of God is considered holy, and God got extremely angry whenever they bothered the Ark of the Covenant, or they defiled the altar in any shape, way, or form, He got angry because even the furniture, even the lamps, oil lamps in the temple were holy because of its connection to God himself, his presence in the temple. Amen? Because he is holy, we must also become holy because we are connected to him. And the oil lamp of Zechariah Shows a tube that leads into the, the source of the oil flowing into the menorah to keep that menorah burning. It's like a lamp, electrical lamp plug into the wall. Getting the juice from that outlet. But it was olive oil. And tubes of strings or whatever type of a wick that would soak that up and bring that into the manure. The oil represents the Holy Ghost. And it is the Holy Ghost that is our energy, our source, the power. Amen? Amen? The power, the force be with you. The power of God, the Holy Ghost, represented through the olive oil. Energizing us, helping us to burn, helping us to light up. There's that one song, Let Your Light Shine. What's it called? My light, show my light. Let Your Light Shine. What's it called? After looking, at the song, but i got two people in here. This Little Light of Mine. This Little amount of Light of Mine. This Little Light of Mine. Thank you very much. So I'm going to let my light shine. How do we do that? The Bible says, Do not hide your light. We are far getting our energy from the Holy Ghost. Our light is His light. Like the moon is a reflection of the sun, we are a reflection of Him. Without Him, we can do nothing. Without the Holy Ghost, we can do nothing. Without the Holy Ghost, we cannot be clean. Without the Holy Ghost, we are not sacred. Without the Holy Ghost, we are not His children. Amen? Amen? Even Jesus was conceived. Amen. We have to be conceived through the power of the Holy Ghost, and then we become His children, and we're plugged in to heaven. And we're not in the flesh, but we're in the spirit, filled with His spirit, walking in the spirit, thinking in the spirit, praying in the spirit, living in the spirit. If we're plugged in. When we go to the store, we need to stay plugged in. When we go walking, when we go bike riding, when we go exercising, when we go to the movies, when we go to the neighbors, when we go to our friends' houses, we gotta stay plugged in to the light source, the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you're on the phone call, in order not to not gossip, in order to not talk about people behind their back, you gotta stay plugged in to the power of the Holy Ghost, to say no to temptation. To not be overproudful, to not be filled with vanity, to not be focused on the flesh, you've got to be focused on the spirit. You gotta stay plugged in. Heavenly Father, please help me stay plugged into you. We stay plugged into Him by reading the Scripture often. By praying unceasing. Amen. By thinking upon him everywhere as we go. By putting his commandments and his words in our mouth. By speaking of him. By acknowledging his presence. By speaking about him and to him. Amen. If our mind is on the Lord, then we have perfect peace. Because we're plugged in. Amen. We're not going to run out of that energy man Is a non-ending supply of that oil if we stay plugged in. But our problem is many times we unplug him so that we may sin. We unplug him because the world and the churches and the pastors have taught us it's impossible to be holy. Only God is holy. Only God can be holy because we are sinful people. But if you really believe that, you gotta throw your Bible away because right here it says you are holy because he is holy. And it's not automatic just because you was baptized. It's not automatic. There's a lot of big, people, lots of people that have been baptized that are not holy. Wow. Lots of people. I've known many people in my life been baptized and are not holy. So it's not automatic. Amen. It's not automatic. You have to plug it in. And because the devil is always sneaking around like a lion circling around seeking who he may devour, he's always wanting to unplug you. ain't that right? The devil is always wanting to unplug you and he unplugs you by getting your mind off from God by getting your mind on the gossip, getting your mind on other people's sins, other people's problems, Other people's lives, other people's do's and don'ts, other people's, well, he's sleeping with that person. That one's drinking. That one's lying. That one's doing that. Get your mind off of them. It's not your life. It's none of your business. Get your mind right back on yourself. Amen? Mind your own business. What they're doing is between them and God. You can't help it. But you can help what you do. Amen. So focus on getting your own life right first, especially. Amen. But the Bible says be holy. That means we've got to get holy. we got to get holy. We've got to become holy. Holiness is sacredness, cleanness, purity of heart and mind and soul. Look at Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 15. Without the dogs and the sorcerers and the fornicators and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. This is telling us who will not enter paradise. It's not saying dogs and cats and lizards, okay? When it says dogs here, you got to. Understand, you gotta understand that in the Bible, the word dogs is symbolic of lost people. Lost people. Originally, it's what the Jews and the Israelites, the Hebrew people, called Gentiles only because, not because of race, but because those Gentiles at one time were not following the God of Israel. They were following the Assyrian gods, the Egyptian gods, and so forth, the Babylonian gods, the Greek gods, whatever, the Indian gods, and so on. But we know that Jesus came to die for all people, and we are drafted in, all of us are adopted into the Jewish bloodline through, through the blood of Jesus. Amen. And we become His children if we do His will that's what the Bible says if we do his will if we follow the will of the father then he will be the father to us will not leave us as orphans come to us and be our God be our father it says all these different things amen so it's regardless of race or nation, but at one time it referred to the Gentiles but now it refers to lost people anyone that does not follow the true God of Israel Jesus anyone that does not follow Jesus in the truth in the truth so if they follow Jesus in vain Christmas Easter Sunday Trinity God pre-trib rapture and all that stuff then the Bible considers them dogs dogs because they are not clean they are not pure they eat their own vomit unclean the opposite of holy in order to get into paradise into the new jerusalem which is paradise we have to be clean and not unholy we have to be clean we have to be pure we have to become sacred we got to get there got to get there amen nothing unclean shall enter in to the kingdom Hey, it's going to have streets of gold. Even the walls will be sparkly. Do you think that God is going to allow us to come in there with muddy boots? No. Because he properly raises his children to wash. Amen. He washes away our mud. He washes away our sins. If we still have mud on our faces, if we still have sin in our hearts, if we still have sin in our mind at that time, when the new Jerusalem comes, then we will not be allowed to enter into eternal life. New heavens, new earth, paradise, whatever you want to call it. We won't be part of that. If we are still sinful at that time. Thankfully he gives us two resurrections to accomplish this. Not just one. Not just one year. He does not require us nor expect us to become perfect within six months or even a year of our baptism. Unless it's the final year. Of course. And even then. He doesn't really require that because there's a second life. There's a second resurrection. Amen. Thank God for the second resurrection. In his goodness, in his love, in his wisdom, unending wisdom, he gives us that possibility of a second resurrection. In case we don't make it in the first. Amen. So we don't have to beat ourselves up to the magnitude of I'm not going to make it. I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to make it because yes, you will. Yes, you will. The very fact that you are listening today proves that you will be in paradise. Not necessarily 100% proof because some people have listened and been part of services before and still fell away. But it almost proves it because you're on the right track. And I don't know anyone else that is. Amen. If you look at your next door neighbor, the rest of your family, the rest of your city, the rest of your nation, the rest of your school, the people you work with, they're all dogs. You're the only one. So if anybody's going to make it, it's going to be you. Amen? If anybody's going to make it, it's going to be you. But thank God that there are promises of many more people to get saved soon. There really is. Look at 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Page 251. Second Peter, chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness. But rather, He is patient toward who? Who is he patient for? You. Amen. Not wanting for any of us to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He wants everybody to come to repentance. Amen. He doesn't want anyone to perish. No one. He doesn't even want even the most wicked to perish. Because he put it in his own heart, his own mind, to create each and every person. Each and every person on this earth that ever existed on this earth who was human. He put it into his heart and mind for that person to be conceived. For that person to be born into this world. And he doesn't want them. To die in that second death. He doesn't want it. God is love. Amen. God is love. God is not just waiting to spank you. Amen. He's not constantly holding on to a paddle. Just waiting for opportunity to spank you. He is not anger. He gets angry. But he is not the essence of anger. He is not the essence Of judgment Anger and wrath The Bible says His wrath endures Only for a moment Amen He gets over it He gets over it If we repent Amen He's very extremely Forgiving Extremely forgiving Merciful And graceful Amen. Amen. Think of the Apostle Paul. He struggled with sin even after he was baptized. Even after he became a preacher of the gospel. Even after he became an apostle. Even after he wrote scripture. Paul continued to struggle with sin. Romans chapter 7. He beat himself up. Paul did. Paul beat himself up. About his sins. Romans 7. Read it brother. Amen. But. We have faith. We have knowledge. Faith is knowledge. The substance. Something you can actually touch. Amen. We have faith. The knowledge. That Paul will be in the kingdom. He was called. He was chosen. He did the work of God. He obeyed God as much as he could. And as he got closer and closer and closer to the end of his life, he got closer and closer to God, more and more repentant. Amen. Perfection, holiness, whatever you want to call it, takes a lifetime. We're not going to get there this year. None of us will. I will not be perfect by the end of this year. You won't. I won't. He won't. She won't. But. Because God is so good to us. Because God is so wise. Because his plan of salvation is so perfect. He will bring the great tribulation. As an instrument. As a tool. To perfect us. To get us straightened up. Amen. The great tribulation will remove many temptations, many stumbling blocks, many tools of the enemy will be removed by the great tribulation, by the war, by the invasion, the invasion, by poverty, by the destruction of nations, by the destruction of the economy, by the destruction of jobs and houses and lands and nations and people. We will be perfected by judgment. We will be, we will be perfected through the great tribulation. The Bible describes the great tribulation as a fiery trial. More precious than gold. Right here, even in the book of Peter, some words. More precious than gold are our trials. Amen. Our fiery trials. Amen. We need the great tribulation. It will perfect us. In the Great Tribulation, many things will be removed. Most of the pornography on the planet will be removed. Most of the illegal drugs. Most of the television and most of the internet. Even though there will still yet be some television and some internet in the world. Even at the end of the Tribulation. But, most Americans... And really, most people on the earth will not have internet. They won't. How can they? When you have invasions, war, nuclear war, poverty, destruction of jobs, houses and lands, captivity, concentration camps. Come on, use common sense. Although there will be some TV and internet, it's going to be limited to the number of people worldwide that will have the ability to just turn it on and use it. I don't think they're going to have free Wi-Fi in the concentration camp. I don't think we're going to have free Wi-Fi in the caves and in the trees and in the forests. I don't think we're going to have free Wi-Fi hardly anywhere on the earth. Amen. And that would be a great blessing. To all of us. Amen. So in the great Tribulation, God will remove many obstacles. He will remove. Many of the wicked people. He will remove. Many of the temptations. He will remove. The cigarettes. Halloween observance. Halloween horror houses. God will remove. The majority of the false churches false preachers, television evangelists, people that preach the pre-trib fairy tale, and God will remove the promotion of homosexuality and transgenderism. The reality is that the Muslims are currently using the American Democrats and the other leftist people across the world the Muslims are using those leftists only temporarily just to take control of the government to corrupt society, to make society fall. That's what they're doing. Weakening the American military by allowing in the homosexuals and the transgenders in the American military is an effort to weaken the nation, the national defense, the family unit, Everything. The churches destroy, destroy, destroy. From within. Then invade. And then once they conquer America. Australia, Korea. Once they conquer the nations. Then Islam would turn face. And murder. The homosexuals. You know it. It's common sense. It don't have to be written in the Bible. Not everything has to be written in the Bible. Amen. Muslims they have a law to kill homosexuals they are only using the homosexuals to gain power and then will conquer divide and kill amen many things on this earth will be removed the promotion of homosexuality the promotion of halloween the horror movies the horror movies will be removed Hollywood will be removed. New York City will be removed from the earth. Many things. Illegal drugs and cigarettes. False churches and false preachers. So, people will be perfected by the removal of many evil things from this planet in the Great Tribulation. Amen. Also, the Great Tribulation will help males To grow up and become a masculine strong men, Because the men will have to. Become what they was meant to be. The hunters. Amen. Men will have to hunt. And fish. And protect and fight. Men will have to survive. Men will have to be strong. So nature. The natural way that we are created by God to be will kick in. The natural instincts that men raise up and hunt and and protect the family. So many things about the great tribulation will perfect us. Immature, immature males will become extremely mature through the necessity of survival. In females also by nature, will again become women by the necessity of cooking compared to eating out, taking care of their own children compared to to paying someone else to take care of the children, and taking care of their husbands compared to working a job away from home. So women will actually become women through the necessity of survival. The great tribulation will really help mankind, you and me, all of us, to return back to the old path, the way things used to be. And that will help our maturity and help us to become more holy and more clean, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Plus, the great tribulation will really help us to get it into our head that time is short. Amen? And when you know, when you're preparing for the college test or the high school test, and you know when the test is getting closer and closer, that's when you start studying harder, becoming more determined to pass the test. When we know that the time is short, then we will become more serious about our salvation. Also, we have the second resurrection, which will provide another hundred years for people to get right with God. And finish maturing and finish perfecting. During that time of the hundred years, justice will be on earth. Righteous government, righteous judges, righteous police, righteous laws, righteous religion, righteous churches, and righteous doctrine. Righteous preachers and visible angels and even Jesus himself will be here on earth. In that hundred years. So it's going to be much, much easier. For salvation. And for people to mature and get right. And not sin. During that hundred years. Even though sin will still be possible to people. And there will still be rebellious and wicked people. But it will be easier. To live for God. And to mature. And become complete in Christ Jesus. During that lifetime. For sure. Jesus has a perfect plan of salvation. God will not lose the majority of his creation. Do you believe that? God will not lose the majority of his creation. Despite regardless of what you have been traditionally, traditionally taught. Just then, when that word traditionally came out of my mouth, in the spirit of God, in my head, in my mind, I thought I was saying, dirty, nasty. Regardless of what we are traditionally, regardless of what we are dirty, taut, corrupted, taut. To God, traditional doctrine, traditional lies, traditional lies of the enemy that we cannot stop sinning. That's a dirty, nasty doctrine to God. That's not me. That's the Holy Ghost. What he just said in my head. Amen. It's a dirty doctrine. Holiness is cleanness, cleanness, purity. Traditional lies of the enemy that says you cannot stop sinning. That is a unholy, a dirty doctrine to God. Amen. Look at 1 John 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, page 253. Page 253, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. 1 John 3, verse 9 says, No one who is born of Theos practices sin. Because his seed, the Holy Ghost, abides in you, in that person. And therefore, you cannot sin because you are born of Theos. If we are plugged in to the Holy Ghost, he empowers us to say no to the enemy. The Holy Ghost empowers us to say no to the lies and to the temptations, to false doctrine, to false churches, false religion, and foolish theories. The Holy Ghost protects us from the letter Y names. The Holy Ghost says to us, without us even having to go to any website, without us having to do any research, The Holy Ghost says to us, that name, Yahshua, Yahweh, Jehovah, Yahshua, Yahuah, all those, all those whoredom names is what the Holy Ghost says to me right now. All those whoredom names the Holy Ghost protects us from. He says, those are not the right names. Don't you know Jesus' name? Amen. Don't you know Jesus' name? There's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Holy Ghost protects us from foolish doctrines tricks of the enemy. If you're born again, if you have repented of your sins at baptism, if you read Romans 6 and say, I'm going to be baptized and be made a new person, I repent of my sins. Repent means to turn around Which means stop doing sin and start doing right. That's what repentance means. So are we going to say that we're going to be baptized and not repent? That we're going to be baptized and continue in sin? No. No. Although, of course... When we're still babes in Christ in the first few months after baptism, we'll make some mistakes. Even as Paul did. Even as I still do. We'll make mistakes. But if we stay plugged in and we don't fall away from Christ and we grow in that measure of the Holy Ghost, staying plugged in, Just like you continue as a child to continue to eat and then the next year you learn more foods. As you get older, you learn more foods. You get older, you learn even more food. Somebody introduces you to another truth, another food, some more meat and you start getting winged off the breast. You start getting winged off The milk off the weak doctrine. You start getting winged off just the basics and off just the elementary things that everybody ought to already know. Even from a child. You start eating the meat of God. You start getting into the deep things of God. He shows you even the mysteries of God. He even teaches you revelations. Things you never knew before. Revelations. Revelations. And you grow in the knowledge of the Lord. You grow in maturity. You grow in understanding. You grow in comprehension. You grow even in love. More and more. With God. Because every new thing he teaches you, you learn to even appreciate him even more. Because he continues to give you spiritual gifts. Amen. In the flesh, people love whoever gives them the most money, whoever gives them the most gifts, whoever gives them the most toys, whoever gives them the most clothes, whatever man that will give them the most money. But in the spirit, we love God because He loves us and because He Died for us. He loved us. He loved us first while we were yet still sinners. And notice how it said that past tense. The Bible does say that past tense. Amen. While we were still yet sinners, he died for us. Amen. Does he need to die for us again and again? Romans, I mean not Romans, Hebrews 10. Does he has to continue to die for us? Do we have to really continue to crucify him and put him to shame? The Bible says there in Hebrews 10 or 11 that if we continue in sin, there remains no more a sacrifice for sins. Let's look at that. Amen. Let's see Hebrews 10 first. If it's not there then, it's 11. Page number. 239. 239. Hebrews 10, 26. Hebrews 10, verse 26. Page 239. Hebrews 10, verse 36. If we go on sinning willfully after having accepted the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. How much more simple can that get? It proves the false doctrine of once saved, always saved wrong. Amen? It proves that doctrine wrong. Once saved, always saved. Amen? Amen? If we continue to willfully sin... Yeah, we'll make mistakes. But if we continue to willfully sin, then we're not living for God then at that point, right? We're falling away from God at that point. Now, that is if you continue to practice that on an ongoing basis as a lifestyle. God does not remove his salvation from us just because we did something one time, or if we made a mistake, or even if we did sin willfully once, He doesn't just fly away from us and never come back. He's forgiving. He's merciful. He's loving. All we have to do is repent. The Bible says, I might even be Peter, the Bible says that He is faithful. To forgive us of our sins if we confess. He's faithful to cleanse us, to purify us from our sins if we confess our sins. That's even after baptism. Amen. He's not willing for anyone to perish. Not even you. He's not willing for anyone to perish but for all to have everlasting life. Amen. To have repentance, to come to repentance. He works with us every day. He continues to preach to us every day. He does. Not just when I stand here at the pulpit, but he, God, preaches to us every day. His arm is stretched out all day long, every day, to rebellious people. To rebellious people. He continues to stretch out his hand every day. Even though we sinned yesterday, his arm is still stretched out today. Amen. He's always there waiting for us to say, I repent. Even the prodigal son in the book of Luke. Amen. The prodigal son. The parable of the prodigal son. That son wasted money. Lived a... Life that was not pleasing to the father, but the son came back and the father was willing to take him back. Willing to take him back with joy and excitement to make a big deal out of his son's return. What parent isn't always waiting and praying for their child to return back to righteousness? Amen. What parent doesn't always re-embrace their child at the very next phone call? Amen? He's always willing to take us back if we confess and repent. Always if we confess and repent. He's waiting for that prayer. Amen? He's waiting for that faith, that surrender, that submission to him. He's waiting for it. He wants it. He craves it. His arm is stretched out and say, please do it. Please repent. Please come back to me. Amen. Look at verse 4. No, I'm going to go back to 1 John. 1 John 3, verse 4. 1 John 3, verse 4. First John 3. Verse 4, everyone who commits sin also commits transgression of the law. For sin is transgression of the law. That is your biblical definition of sin. Sin is transgression or breaking the law of God. Sin is breaking the law of God. That is the biblical definition of sin. So, if we say that it's impossible to ever, ever, ever become sinless, then what we are saying, the translation of what we're saying is, I will always and always and always continue to break God's law. Is that a holy statement? Is that a true statement? If it's a true statement that you would never ever stop breaking God's law, then you're a dog. And that's what God calls you. If it's true, if it's true that you would never stop breaking God's law, then you are a dog and you are not worthy of paradise. But if you repent of your sins. mean That means turn around, change your life. If you stop doing wrong. If you stop committing sin. And start doing only right. And you come into the center of God's will. And you stay plugged into the Holy Ghost. It is through the power of the Holy Ghost that you have the ability. Without the Holy Ghost, you can't do it. But with the Holy Ghost, nothing is impossible. Nothing. Do you really believe the Bible or not? Believe it or not believe it? With the Holy Ghost, there is nothing impossible to you who believe. Not just to God. Everybody knows the Bible verse that says nothing's impossible with God. But no one knows the Bible verse that says nothing shall be impossible to you who believe. They don't know that verse. Nothing shall be impossible to you who believe. If you believe That you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That nothing should be impossible to you. Amen. The Holy Ghost empowers us to get more clean every year. If we stay plugged in and never fall away. Or even if we do fall away, we come back like the prodigal son did. And will return. Get plugged in again. And this time even more energized. Knowing the mistakes of the past. Not wanting to repeat the mistakes of the past. Wanting to do better than the past. And letting go of the past and moving forward. And putting the eyes on the future, on the finish line. Putting your eyes on Jesus Amen. It's not impossible. Verse 9 again. 1 John 3 verse 9. No one is born of Theos. practices sin. That word practice means to do that on a regular basis. Because his seed abides in him. And he can't sin because he is born of Theos. That's the goal, is to get so full of the Holy Ghost that we can't sin because we're so convicted of our sins. When we sin, we should beat ourselves up. We should. It's okay to beat yourself up if you actually did sin. Paul did. Romans chapter 7, the entire chapter was Paul beating himself up. It's okay to beat yourself up if you actually sinned, but that should only last only a few minutes, maybe a day maximum, until you finally just accept that he has forgiven you. Because you cried out to him. You asked him to forgive you. You confessed your sins. You confessed your fault. And you remember the scripture that he is faithful. To forgive us and to cleanse us from all wrong. From all sin. To purify us. If we confess. And then we accept it. We claim that verse. We say, Father, I believe. And I accept. And then we get up off our knees in joy. In joy and thanksgiving that he did forgive us. So that misery only lasts a temporary time out of our guilt, out of the conviction against our sins. Then we return back to be joyful and happy and content and peaceful because we know we have a savior we we are not without a savior and knowing that we did sin we don't want to repeat that so we learn our lesson And we're like, I don't want to feel that conviction no more. I don't want to feel that sin no more. I don't want to be guilty anymore. I don't want to repeat my sin every day and have to confess again and have to repent again every day, every day, and crucify him again and put him back on the cross again. I don't want to put my Savior to shame. I don't want to have to crucify him every day and every day and every day and every day. Amen. So we learn our lesson. And I'm not going to ever do that no more. And every time we learn our lesson, we get more clean. We become more holy. We become more perfect. We become more mature. We become more complete. And every year he reveals something else to us that we didn't know was sin. That particular idol. That particular, that picture of Jesus on the wall. And you say you don't idolize it. You say you don't worship it. But it's a picture of God. How can you not worship it? Come on, use some common sense. A statue of God, or a cross, a crucifix with Jesus on the cross, which is demonic. And you say it's not an idol? What does... Exodus 20 verse or the, the second commandment of Exodus 20 say it says have no image of anything in heaven or on earth have no image of anything have no image then compare that to Deuteronomy and in Numbers where it repeats itself uh, repeats itself have no image The only reason I say that you can have images is because the Bible says that the law is for the wicked, not for the righteous. A righteous person who is saved, who stays plugged in to the power of the Holy Ghost that leads him and guides him or her through life, he can have a picture of us playing volleyball on the beach. When we take a vacation. We go surfing. We take a picture. We have a wedding. We take a picture. Get baptized. Take a picture. Have a graduation from high school. Take a picture. These are for memory's sake. They're not religious attached. Except for the baptism. And that's only again. Memory's sake. But when you take a picture of what you claim to be God which is not God therefore is a fake God and you put it you idolize it by hanging it up on your wall which is glorifying that picture of a fake God and you claim as a picture of God which there's no such thing and the Bible says have no picture of anything in heaven then you're lying through your teeth like a dog growling showing his teeth like a filthy beast saying no it's not a sin. Pastor Tim is just being legalistic because you don't want to stop sinning. That's the bottom line. The same thing with that, all those other idols that are in your display case behind glass, like a museum, a holy museum. And that statue, and the other statue, and the other statue, and the other doll, and the other doll, and the other doll, and the unicorn, and the mermaid, and all these other stuff. The reason you say that you will always sin is because that's your decision, that you will always sin, because you don't want to give up your idols. And that's the truth. That's the truth. Got to reconnect real quick back to TalkShoe for some reason. Enter the show ID followed by the pound key. You can ask TalkShoe Live. This episode is being recorded and streamed live on TalkShoe.com. Please press 1 to accept and enter the online studio. You are joining the online studio. You are unmuted and can speak with the host. Recording started. An unexpected error has occurred. Please try again. (sighs) The Enemy wants to wage war. Amen. Let's see. It looks like it's still recording. Let me look at some. Yeah, it's still recording. But the enemy wants to wage war. And let's look at another verse. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5 verse 48. Hopefully none of us have such a hard heart that cannot be penetrated with the conviction of sin. Amen. Hopefully nobody has hardened their heart so bad that they cannot be convicted of their sins. Hopefully nobody is so stubborn, so hard-headed, so rebellious, and so full of themselves. That they cannot be convicted of their sins. Amen. Matthew 5, verse 48, page 12. Matthew 5, verse 48. Therefore you are to be completely mature. As your Heavenly Father is completely mature. That means sinless and complete. You are reached maturity. You have reached the state, the condition of eventually being completely sinless. Because God is. And because we're plugged into him, because we're connected to him. Then we are cleansed. We are purified. We are sacred. We are separate from the world. Not tainted with the world and its ways. Amen. We're not talking about when I say perfect, I'm not talking about having perfect math skills, perfect spelling perfect language, perfect writing skills, perfect memory. But rather, what we're talking about, this kind of perfection, is becoming sinless over time and also coming into the center of God's will, including spiritual, mental, and emotional full maturity. Amen. But how is this possible? Already said, by staying plugged in the Spirit of God. But there's, there's more. Let's go to Ephesians 4, Ephesians chapter 4. And we're almost done here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, page 208. Page, page 208. Ephesians 4, verse 11. Ephesians 4.11 says he gave some people to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers or deacons for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ. That means the church for the building of the church, meaning the spiritual church, the people. Until we all, every one of us, you and everybody, obtain That means achieve to the unity of the faith. That means not disagreeing with one another but coming united in the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Theos to a mature mature man or mature person to the measure of the maturity or the completeness which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That is a very high standard. There's a very high level of maturity. It is a level of maturity that is sinless and complete. It is becoming a complete person. It is becoming, it is achieving, it is obtaining, eventually coming to the point to learning everything that you need to learn, understanding everything you need to understand And applying it to your life, to the fullness that you need to apply it to your life. Amen. It's coming into the center of God's will. It's accomplishing all the goals that God has for your soul. Amen. That is the measure of maturity that belongs to Christ Jesus. It is a high standard. It is not the standard of dogs. It is not a low standard. God does not lower his standard for some people. Amen. God does not lower his standard for some people. Amen. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, from whom the entire body being fitted. Oh, but speaking, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in everything into him who is the head Christ. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in everything into him who is the head Christ. I'm going to have to get a bookmark to lay under here so I can keep my spot a place. Verse 16 From whom the entire body being fitted and held together by whatever joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself. That means that each and every person is a part of the church. Each person has a part to fulfill in the church. Each one is a joint, a fitting, within the entire body of Christ, each one working his individual part, calls in the growth, the growth for the body to grow up, to the building up of the church in love. Amen. Verse 17, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer, no longer walk like the Gentiles did. Or the Gentiles did the ones that do not follow the God of Israel in their fertility or f felility, fertility fertility. Oh how do you say that? Futility. Fertility of their mind. That means the things they have, the things they do are in vain. Amen. In vain do you worship me. Christmas, Easter, Sunday, Those are in vain. That's fertility of the mind. They think they're worshipping Him, but they are not worshipping Him. It's in vain. Amen. We have to get rid of those doctrines, come into unity of doctrine, agree in doctrine, not be divided in doctrine, and come into more knowledge, being taught by the preachers, the true preachers, being taught by the apostle, being taught by the prophets of the Lord, to grow in understanding of the Bible and not staying stuck in the old traditional dirty ways of Babylon letting go of those false doctrines Christmas, Easter, Trinity but also the false doctrine that you will never be perfected you will always sin, you will always sin and you're going to heaven as a sinner that's a crazy lie you're going to heaven as a sinner that's crazy. Amen. If you go to heaven, it's going to be as a saint. Amen? Amen? It's only going to be saints in heaven. Everywhere you look. Everywhere you look in heaven. Everywhere you look in paradise. It will only be saints, not sinners. Amen. Amen. It's a lifelong process, but God brings the apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and deacons for the purpose of teaching so that we may become united in doctrine and faith and repentance. Even united, even in repentance, united. If we're part of the true church, Then the church administration will correct us, provoke us to good works, encourage us, teach us, direct us, and instruct us so that we may become complete in Christ Jesus. It is the job of the church administration to help you become sinless and perfect and mature. But you must find a church that teaches holiness. Not a liberal church that refuses to preach repentance. Not a liberal church where the preacher sugarcoats the gospel. Not a liberal church where the preacher waters down the gospel. Not a church run by pansy women. And not a church run by butch masculine women either. But rather a church run by alpha males who are bowed with the word of God. The church must must teach the commandments of Jesus, including the Ten Commandments, including the Seventh-day Sabbath. Amen. So how can we become sinless? One, the pastors, the true pastors, teaching repentance, teaching correct doctrine, provoking you to good works, correcting you when necessary, instructing you, guiding you, leading you. I'm here to slap you around a little bit, get you angry at me, and get you, provoke you to reading the Bible more, fasting more, praying more, seeking the Lord more. Amen. Plus the great tribulation. How God's going to remove a lot of the temptation and a lot of the sin, and a lot of the corruption from the earth will be removed in the great tribulation. And then in the millennium, How he'll continue to cleanse the earth. And then in the hundred years. How he'll continue to cleanse the earth. And remove. A lot of the obstacles. That cause you to stumble. God's plan of salvation. Is perfect. Amen. God's plan of salvation is. Perfect. Amen. God would not lose the majority. Of his creation. God will not lose the majority of his children to the devil. God will not lose the majority of his children to the devil. They will return to God. Regardless of what you have been traditionally taught. The only people who will perish in the lake of fire. Will only be the people who will eternally Continue to refuse to obey him. Amen. God sends the preachers yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God does not change. He sent the prophets of old. He sent the apostles and the disciples. And he sends end time prophets and apostles as well. He'll continue to send prophets in the future, in the great tribulation. He'll continue to send prophets in the millennium. He'll continue to send prophets, pastors and teachers and evangelists and deacons in the hundred years. They'll keep preaching, they'll they'll keep preaching, and they'll keep preaching, and they'll keep preaching until the door is shut at the end of the hundred years. It is not impossible. He has sinned one. He has sent another. Then he has sent another. He has sent another. He has sent another. His plan of salvation is perfect. Perfect. Amen. This message is being sent in preparation for Passover only two weeks away. On April the 26th. Let us continue to repent. Now, after Passover, you have seven days of unleavened bread. The very purpose of having seven days of unleavened bread is as a symbolism that it takes a lifetime to become unleavened. The leavening, the baking soda, the baking powder, the leavening of the bread, the puffness, that baking soda makes that bread... Puff up to where when you cut the bread or the cake, you can see the air pockets inside. That puffiness, that air pockets represents vanity and pride in other sin because sin puffs up. That seven days of unleavened bread represents to us that even after we are crucified with Christ and baptized and resurrected with Christ, even after Passover, we still have sin to deal with, but it only lasts us the seven days. As we go through the seven days, we continue to find sin, hidden sin, secret sin, sin we didn't realize we had. More baking soda up on the back shelf, up on the top shelf where you couldn't see it. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the seven days, you learn, you find it. There it was. You got to throw it away. And then the next day, you find a crumb. And then the next day, well, you forgot there was something in the bottom of the fidget. But the next year, you're better at looking for these things and getting rid of that leavening before Passover. And yet, in the middle of the seven days, you still find something. But then you get better the next year if you don't give up, if you don't fall away, if you try again. If you get back on your bike and try again, or back up on your horse and try again, or back on your tricycle and try again, whatever. Amen. And not give up. Then you get better at it every year. It's a process. It is a process. His holy days teach us the plan of salvation. Amen. And those seven days represent the entire time frame of humanity. From the beginning to end. And by the end of the last day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We are purified. We've got rid of all the sin by then. We found it all. Got rid of it. Repented of it. Confessed it. Thrown it away. And the sin is gone. By the last day of the Feast. Amen. God's holy days teach us his perfect plan of salvation. Passover night is at sunset, April the 26th. There's also a second chance Passover for the people that are not baptized by that time, one month later from that. The night to be much observed is April the 27th. That night, I encourage everyone to have a giant feast on April the 27th. It should include some unleavened bread. It may also include wine, if you want wine. And then continue to eat at least a bite or more of unleavened bread. You can eat as much unleavened bread as you want for those seven days. But on Passover, when you do the communion, it should be only one bite of unleavened bread and only one sip of the wine for the communion ceremony. We also have New Moon coming up on April the 13th. April the 13th. Tuesday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, that's only two, three days away, is going to be the first day of the month. Be New Year's on April the 13th. It won't be the first day of the year, but it'll be the first day of the month of that new year. On April the 13th. And we always have worship services on the first day of the month. So, on April the 13th, please meet me back here at 7 o'clock Eastern Time in the morning. 7 o'clock Eastern Time in the morning on Tuesday, April the 13th. Any questions or anything to add? Anybody got anything to add or to ask? Ephesians 4, I think, was one of the last chapters I read today. Okay, Robert said, as usual, many, many times, that the, one of the Bible verses that he read today was Ephesians 4. And that's very interesting. And uh, usually, pretty often, without knowing what the sermon's gonna be about, he reads one of the Bible verses on that same day, or the night before. And it's a confirmation of God's word. Amen. Praise Jesus. It's not impossible to repent. It's not impossible to be saved. It's not impossible to be forgiven. It's not impossible to turn around. It's not impossible to return to the Lord. It's not impossible. God is reaching out to us every day. Day. Every day. Amen. You know? And we get closer to the Lord every year. Every year. I encourage you that if you are not yet doing it, to put on some worship music sometime between now and Passover to start this and do it on an often regular basis. Like every day, every day or two. Put on some worship music. <clears throat> And listen to the music. Focus on the music. I'm not talking about. Lit play in the background. While you're washing the dishes. I'm talking about putting on it. And focusing on the music. Not doing anything else. But focusing on the music. And focusing on God. Putting your mind on the Lord. Raising your hands to the Lord. And just crying out to him. And talking to him. And pouring out your heart to him. And letting go and venting to the Lord and then accepting His mercy, His grace, accepting His presence, accepting more of His Holy Ghost, accepting His hugs, His kisses, His embrace, His mercy, His love, His grace. And get up from that, that worship service of your own private worship service. Get up from that renewed energized, and plugged into to the Lord, not bringing up the sins of the past, because they are forgotten, they are washed away, after you get up from that worship service, get up as a new creature in Christ Jesus, and walk in the Spirit, uh, spirit of the Lord, which includes walking in joy and peace, knowing that He has forgiven you, having faith That he has forgiven you because he is love. Because he is forgiveness. He is goodness. Amen. Continue to pray for the congregations in Algeria. Vienna Islamic Nation. It has a lot of struggles. Dangers. And special needs. Please lift up the congregations in Nigeria often. Please lift up Brother Meekness in Zimbabwe often. Brother Jonathan who is in prison. Don't forget the prisoners in your prayer. Pray often. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. Pray for repentance. Pray for growth of the measure of the Holy Ghost in your soul. Pray for greater maturity, greater completeness in Christ Jesus. If you have not yet joined in on our MeWe social media group, I really encourage you to do that because it will be extremely helpful for you To have that fellowship with brothers and sisters. We're supposed to be a family. We're supposed to be a church. We're not supposed to do this alone. Your other brothers and sisters, they are lacking your presence. They are lacking your help. They are lacking your encouragement. We're supposed to be a body of Christ. Amen. Talk to one another on MeWe. Don't just check the news. Talk to each other. There's private chats. And you can even do group chats. You can even comment on each other's posts. Open up and share with one another. When we take communion, we're not only taking communion with God, we're taking communion with one another. Bible teaches that we should grow in communion with one another. We should grow in closeness with one another, love with one another. We should open up our hearts to one another and become a family. I refuse to baptize people that do not agree to come into the family of Christ. It's not about just getting their self saved but rather also at the same time about coming into a community of believers, a church, becoming part of the church, part of the family of God. Amen. You you gain brothers and sisters in the Lord when you are baptized. And if a person does not agree to that, I will not baptize them. That's why I have so many requirements for baptism It's more than just getting wet. It is a commitment to the kingdom. It is a commitment to repentance. It is commitment to Christ Jesus for the rest of your life. And that includes being a member of the church. When I baptize you, that makes me your pastor. Amen. Okay, I'm gonna let you go. We're we'll gonna figure out something to eat and get plugged in. Amen. Praise the Lord. All this in Jesus name. Amen. Hmm.